Hey everybody, this is Steve Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us on Budge this month. You ever feel like that maybe you or your team or your organization is just in a survival mode? Well, the dilemma is this. Yes, we have to survive, but we have been created for so much more than just simply survival. That's what we're going to dive into on this episode of Budge, The Survival Dilemma. Hope you enjoy, and remember, small movements matter. Okay, hey, we're going to go ahead and get started. Thank you so much for taking the time to log on today. I am really excited about the content for today, and I tried to not give too much away in the description. Hopefully, I didn't, um, and... I, I've got to spend a little bit of time here just telling you where this whole thought process came from, the survival dilemma. So I, I, it was 2018, and uh, it was probably about March or April, and I don't remember where I was, so don't assume that I was with any of you because I don't know that for sure. <laughs> I could have been, but I was somewhere with a team, and I, I've talked to groups and teams a lot over the past 30 years of my life, but I never noticed what I noticed in March of 2018. When I began to look in people's faces, uh, I realized that what I was looking at was only what I could describe as empty. And I that's the only word I could use to describe it. So uh, I'm not telling you it's an accurate description, but I'm telling you that's what I decided that I, that's what I thought I, that, that I was looking at. And people's eyes were just like empty and there was nothing there, not with everybody, but with some. And it began to bother me because what I realized was that uh, I'm in a, I'm in somebody's workplace. And if I'm looking at an empty and they're empty at work, when they go home at night, what probably are they? Empty. And who is reaping the consequences of that, not just them, but everybody around them in their home. And so I, I, I begin to do some thinking and some talking and some study on that. The opposite of empty is obviously full. And if we were alive, I would ask you to fill in the blank and you would have, and you would have said full because you're very sharp people. So the opposite empty is full. And so what bothered me was that instead of people being full at work and going home full, therefore who's reaping the rewards of that? Their families. People are going home empty, possibly, and their families are reaping the consequences of that. And the last thing you want is for somebody on your team to go home every night and people are begging them to quit their job. That is not a real good read of the culture of the workplace. So this whole full and empty thing really started to play with me a little bit. So several months went by. And in 2019, I began to ask this question of people everywhere I went. What do you want from work? What do you want from work? And I, I, uh, I, I started collecting answers. And I bet you that I probably asked over 800 people, what do you want from work? Now, I'd like for you to take a moment in your chat box and I'd like for you to answer that question. Just, chat, just throw something in the chat box. We're not looking for a paragraph, but just a phrase one word, whatever it is. What do you really want from work? And I'm going to try to keep up here and look at them as you're, as you're uh, typing them in. So I started collecting the answers and I started really looking at the answers and I started asking people, you know, what does this mean and what does that mean? And 
I want to get your answers before I tell you kind of what my findings were. So, uh, so fulfillment. All right, we got it. Fulfillment. Yep. Keep going here. I'm not looking for anything in particular. Just as one of the frustrations of not being live and just watching on Zoom. So uh, belonging. Good. Good, good. Some of the same similar answers that I'm hearing from people across the country as, as I'm asking this question. Purpose, accomplishment, uh, enough money to retire. I don't, I don't know if you're like 25 in saying that or 64 in saying that. Growth, I want growth. Yep, cool, any more, keep them coming. If you got uh, appreciated, want appreciated, good. So appreciation, development. This is kind of the way it went when I community, kind of the way it went when I'm asking these questions, what do you want from work? And some of you were in some of those sessions, you've already, you've already uh, answered this question. What I found interesting was that most of the people, I would say out of probably 800 answers that I collected, only about a dozen times did I hear money or paycheck or anything surrounding it. And I'm even going to take enough money to retire off that because I don't feel like that's the same thing as these other people are saying money or paycheck. So one guy asked, uh, answered this question, and I'm just going to call him Bob. That was not his name, but I'm just going to call him Bob. So I said, Bob, what do you want from work? And the first thing out of his mouth, money. I said, why do you want the money? He said, I got to take care of my stuff. And I thought, okay, I really kind of like that answer because I, I got stuff and I want to take care of my stuff. So you want to take care of your stuff. I said, Bob, this is the first time I'd ever really indulged this answer quite to this level. I said, Bob, when you're coming to work just for the money to take care of your stuff, what mode are you in? And he sat there for a minute and he and several other people around him answered at the same time. And they said, I'm in a survival mode. Exactly. And that was the first time that this whole thing became started becoming a little more clear to me is that, is it a possibility that people are going to work every day and functioning in a survival mindset? And that's when I begin to explore what does this survival mindset actually look like in life and more particularly in the workplace? And this is the first time I've shared this publicly in this format. I've talked about survival mode occasionally here and there. This is the first time I've ever really talked about it like this. So this is all brand new stuff that we've created uh, over, but it's taken me a couple of years to kind of put some of this stuff together. And so really want to share with you today what I have found uh, uh, in regards to this survival mindset. And then the thought occurred to me, what if we as leaders, what if our cultures, what if our organizations are actually doing things to perpetuate that survival mindset? And that whole thing really began to bother me. So uh, I, I got to be honest with you, what you're going to hear today is the beginnings of this whole uh, study for me, because I think that we got to be very careful as leaders to not perpetuate the survival mindset. But I think more importantly, that as people, we got to make sure that we're not functioning every day in a survival mindset, but we're moving beyond that. So I begin to look at some of the effects of a survival mindset. Um, and what I noticed was that joy and energy 
and fun is sapped when you're in a survival mindset. Um, scarcity sets in when you're in a survival mindset. The scarcity issue is the never enough issue that there, there's never blank enough. And that survival mindset, if in fact we show up every single day strictly for the paycheck, if that's the first thing on our mind, my question is, what is enough money? And the only answer I can find is a little more. So there is never enough money, except for the, the guy. That's why I'm taking that off the table, enough money to retire. You know what that is. So there's an end to that. Um, with the effects of survival mindset, worry sets in that we're worried a lot and we act worried a lot and we lead worried a lot. Purposeless sets in that we forget all about our purpose and why we actually are doing what it is they're doing. If we ever even uh, approach that in the first place to kind of figure out why we're doing what we're doing. There's a low grade stress going on. Sometimes there's a high grade stress, but what I found is most of the people I talk to that seem to be uh, approaching work in this survival mindset, there's a low grade stress. And by that, I mean that there's always this level of stress moving throughout, not just with them, but the people that, that they're around. Um, there's negative imagination. And we're always thinking when we're in a survival mindset, we're always thinking of what might happen down the road. One of the main things I've found with this survival mindset is that my job just simply is a job. And it's nothing more than that. Most of the teams I work with are trying to get beyond the job just being a job. What is there that sustains you? And, 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 and this, this survival mindset leads us to act and work and move every day of our lives as a job, just being a job, as opposed to a passion, a responsibility, a calling, or something of the like. So all of this comes in various levels. All of it comes in various forms and various levels. So it can wane, it can go back and forth. There are some days you feel like I'm in a survival mindset. There are some days maybe you feel like you're not, and it can go back and forth. And so this is kind of what uh, I've been studying, kind of what I've been looking at lately. Um, but here's what I want to tell you, is that this survival mindset is no way to live life and it is definitely, definitely no way to work every single day. And what happens is that when you get a lot of people in your organizations that have this survival mind, all they're trying to do is just get through. It takes the culture from being what the culture should be, and it totally drives it down. And, and again, I wonder if sometimes as leaders or in our organizations, if maybe somehow, some way, even below the surface, that maybe we're perpetuating this survival mindset. Now, all of us have had to survive certain things in our lives at certain times. And I don't know, maybe some of you right now, or certainly uh, 2020 has been a year of survival a little bit uh, because we've had to survive this coronavirus. But what other things have we possibly had to survive? So I hold in my hands right now, and yes, I am a David Letterman fan, I hold in my hands right now the top 10 things that we have possibly had to survive. Here we go. Number 10, a bad Thanksgiving dinner with family you do not want to be with. I can see nods. This is why I like to see faces. I can see nods. Number nine, riding with a careless driver who thinks he is in a NASCAR race. 
you've been there. Uh, number eight, any math class. You've simply had to survive. Number seven, your spouse's high school reunion party. Survival. Number six, the debates. Turn it off. Number five, if you're a woman having a baby, if you're a man, a stomach ache. You got it. Number four, being the parent of three kids under the age of four. That's survival mode. Uh, number three, being a Dallas Cowboys fan. That is survival mode. Number two, the two things that I always say in life that can hold us back more than anything else, tough times and stupid people. You've had to possibly survive that. And the number one thing that we have possibly had to survive, a Steve Thomas top 10 list. There you go. That's it. Top 10 things in life that possibly we have had to survive. So what I want to do today, this is budge history today. <laughs> I've got a friend of mine that has logged on. I've asked him to be here. Uh, his name is Dustin Bramer. On my screen, he's right there. Um, Dustin is on staff at the church that I go to. Dustin is also a paramedic and has been a paramedic for a lot of years. I'll let him tell you how many years here in just a moment. He also, he and his wife, Tracy, have eight kids, four kids right now. They're at home doing remote learning at the same time. His wife, Tracy, is an ER nurse. Trust me, there's nobody on this call that understands survival better than Dustin does. So if we were live, I would say, Give it up for Dustin Bramer. Dustin, I am so sorry you can't hear people's applause right now, but I can tell they're going wild. They are going crazy, Steve. They're going crazy right now. They're just like, it's a, there's confetti flying and all kinds of things happening right now. So thank you, thank you, thank you for um, indulging me, humoring me, and being on this call today and next week. Uh, and talking about this whole survival mindset. So I told you this when we met, and, and, I, and I, I approached you about this. Um, I, I, and I've known you now for a few years and love you and appreciate you. You always seem to have this up attitude. I don't think I've ever seen you down, frustrated. Uh, and I know I'm not at home with you in the, in, in the, the darkest nights, but that might change. Maybe if Tracy were on, she'd have something else to say about that. But I've never seen you down. I've, I've never heard you complain. But yet, you, you've got all this stuff going on. Like I said, four kids at home right now doing remote learning, eight kids total. You're a paramedic. You're on staff at a, at, a, at a pretty large church, holding down two positions right now, actually. So talk to me a little bit about how this all works and I'm not just talking about during coronavirus. I'm talking about in everyday life. Talk to me a little bit about survival mode, and then we'll get into the paramedic end of it. And I want to kind of draw some parallels between that and the survival mindset. Sure. Um, yeah, biz busy is what we do. Um, the kid age range is 8 to 28. So we've been parenting for uh, 28 years. Um, busy definitely uh, took on a new look. Uh, this this 2020 season. Uh, so I was thinking after Steve and I talked a few times and I was thinking, how does a large family that's extremely busy, 
how do they, how do we do things differently than most people? Because a lot of you probably don't have eight kids and three grandkids and several jobs. Um, we have a strategic focus. I mean, you, we know they, we have a cozy calendar, which is online. We also have a, a six foot by four foot calendar in our kitchen. So, I mean, everything's strategically focused, um, but we live our life with a sense of urgency. Um, and I think because we have so many kids at home that are all, uh, you know, different age ranges, um, if we don't live with that sense of urgency, we lose control and chaos ensues really, really fast. Yeah. Um, so it's, we know what we need to do and we just focus really hard to accomplish it. Now, the problem with that is you sacrifice some parenting. Uh, you, you know, every, there's, there's not as much love as there should be. I mean, we have a, a happy house, but it's, it's strategic focus, sense of urgency. Let's just get it done so we can enjoy life. The, the weird part of this season is the, uh, the sense of urgency is there. The strategic focus is there, but the, for, to use a sports analogy, we're feel like we're always in a two minute drill or yeah. a, a full court yeah. press and the, the basket location keeps changing and the goal line keeps getting moved. So we end up running around in circles, shooting air balls. Um, so that's kind of a, a, yeah, an inside look of my brain right now. That, that's how I play basketball anyway. <laughs> Probably. So, so this, so all of that, and I love the fact that you have a plan. There's got to be this plan. And if there's not a plan, chaos and Susan, and I didn't say this, that's one of the effects of a survival mindset is just chaos. But so, so you're not, you're not doing all of that just simply to survive, right? Survival. Why are you doing all that? Why do you keep the plan? Why do you got the six foot calendar? Why, you know, why all that? Why not just scrap that and just simply make it? Uh, number one, we, we try to instill, you know, the, the values we want uh, in our kids. Uh, so we, we try to get them to live with the same structure um, yeah. in their personal life that we, that we have in our, in our parenting life. Um, just making it's never worked for us. Um, too many kids, too many different directions. Um, yeah, it's just never worked. And so my guess is, and again, this could be a horrible read on my part. I totally get it. Maybe the survival mindset is a load of crap. I don't know. I'm still kind of figuring it out and going with it. But I said, when I was introducing you and talking about you, I've never seen you whine, never seen you complain. I've never seen you down. I, I'm, I'm quite positive that there are down moments in your life, but all in all, it's just not your MO. It's just not the way you carry yourself. And so I, I think that there is a correlation between having that better than survival mindset and the fact that I don't see you complain and I don't see you down and I don't see you, you know, whining about things. You, you know what I'm saying? Right, I, right. I, I feel like in our organizations, and, and again, remember where this thought process, you heard me, where this thought process came from, this empty thing that I, I, I see in sense of people. It's not like they're empty and they're quiet about it. They're empty and they let people know about it. Most of them, not all of them. So it's chaos exists in their life and there's nothing more that's there beyond just surviving. And my guess is that's why, that's one of the reasons I probably never, and I didn't think, you don't, we didn't talk about this the other day. That's one of the reasons I think that I've probably never seen you in that mode is because there's something always beyond. You're always looking ahead. Right, right. Yeah. You know, in, in 
when I feel like I'm low, when I'm the opposite of what you've described, um, I, I can't see, you know, and we'll, we'll probably talk about that later, but I can't see the goal. Like I, yeah. it's out of reach. It's unobtainable. So I try to, to figure out what the short term goal is. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why you see, you know, my goals are obtainable so I can be happy about life. It's when you can't find your goal is when, when you're down and depressed and there's nothing to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I call that a win. I call that a win. And, and yeah, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So when you, when you don't understand what the ultimate win is, you're, you're, you're going to be in this perpetual state of survival. And, and that's one of the things I found through studying this whole thing is, and, and it's just, again, I'm going to say this over and over. It's just simply no way to live life. I, I just, I do not believe that we are created just simply to survive, but we're created for something much, much more than that. And, and that includes, includes our jobs, our work and, and, and those kinds of things. All right. So I want to, I want to talk about this a little bit um, in, 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 in terms of you being a paramedic. So you've seen a lot of calls in which you've shown up and the whole purpose of the call is survival. Am I right? For both the paramedic and the, and the patient. Exactly. <laughs> For both of you. Right. And, and, if, and if you're the patient, you really want that paramedic to do more than just survive. Right. Am I right? Okay. So talk to me a little bit about some of the parallels of just what little bit you've heard now. Some of the parallels between showing up on a scene and then working every day with the survival mindset. What do you see from that? I think probably the biggest thing to point out is, is, or to observe is what's going on with, with that person to actually do a, a good parallel. I mean, is it a, an acute emergency, like a, an allergic reaction, an anaphylactic shock? I mean, where they woke up that morning, not having any idea they were going to get stung by that bee, or is it a chronic issue where they, they know they have this problem and it's a real possibility that they could, you know, rear its ugly head that day. Yeah. So there's a different mindset for both emergencies. Yeah, that's really good. And so this is key for leaders is that because, and I know you've never been in any of my sessions. Some of these people in this call have, uh, and I work with some of their teams, but leaders get frustrated with people on their teams because they're not doing A, B, and C. Um, they get frustrated because of the, the, the pettiness that goes on, or the complaint goes on. And I've told leaders this for years. You have to stop and figure out what is, this is a whole last budge session, actually, what's below the surface that's driving that above the surface behavior. So I know you can't show up on a scene maybe with somebody laying there who's had a heart attack or whatever and start asking them all these questions. But do you have to find out what you just said? Do you have to kind of know where they're at and kind of, you know, they wear these bracelets that show you kind of what the background is or what's going on below the surface to help you deal with the above the surface issues? Does that come into play? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you can more than likely tell right off the get, uh, right off the bat as you, as you walk in. I mean, you can do a what they call a 90-foot assessment. I mean, you don't even need to be next to the patient to kind of know, is, is this a sudden onset? Or you can tell by the way they're responding and the people around them, how they're responding, um, what type of emergency this is. Wow. All right. So opposites. I want to talk about opposites and then I want to talk about, I want to go in and I want you to continue this conversation with me about just these observations that I have seen from the survival mindset. So what is the opposite of a survival mindset? And 
and the, and I have a lot of words here, right? So I, I I can't land on one particular word because to me the opposite, it's very contextual. So one of the opposites of that survival mindset is what I'd call full, uh, and I'm parallel on that with the fact that this whole thing started with me because I I started to notice empty, as opposed to full, and so I want to see full. I want to help people understand what a full life is, um, and work is a huge part of that. And so the opposite of survival would be full. Another opposite would be growth would be hope. You just kind of mentioned that. We'll probably come back to that a little bit later. Joy. There's a word we don't use very much. I actually have a book here on my shelf called Joy at Work. And it's written by a guy who owns a, a tech company in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And this is, this is the common theme is they want to inspire joy in the workplace. And, and I'm telling you, I've not read very many books at all in which people use the word joy at work. So joy to me, um, supersedes that survival mindset, meaning, and then I have to use this word. I didn't want to, I've done everything I can do to stay away from it, but I have to use the word thrive, thrive. I did not want to, I've done everything I can to stay away from, don't just survive, thrive. Cause it sounds like a t-shirt and a Pinterest poster. I get it. But I have to use the word thrive because of the very definition of the word thrive is to prosper or to flourish. But another definition of the word thrive is to grow and develop vigorously. You're not doing any of those things when you're in survival mode. All you're doing is just status quo. And so um, some of this is interesting too. Some of the synonyms, I'm kind of a word freak. I like looking up synonyms and what words really mean in the history of them, all that kind of thing. So I found out thrive, synonyms of thrive. Think about this. Boom is a synonym of thrive. Boom. Are you booming or are you just flat? Increase. But here's one I found very interesting. Bearing fruit. Bearing fruit is a synonym of thriving. Now think about this. When you're in survival mode, are you really bearing fruit? My guess is probably not. So think about what sounds better every day of your life and not just for you, but for the people that you lead, your organizations. Because again, I've got a feeling that we're doing some things as leaders and as organizations to perpetuate the survival mindset. So Dustin, here's some observations that I've noticed. Tell me how this feeds in to what you're talking about. First observation, number one, is the focus is on me. The focus is on me. I have noticed, and I think this is probably why I saw the empty, is that when people are in the survival mindset, the focus is on them and selfishness sets in and the decisions that I make are all good for me. Make sense? Yep. So, Team is hard to accomplish. Very hard to accomplish. Talk to me a little bit about the par when you're a paramedic, you're not going by yourself. Am I right? Correct. You're always going with somebody. So talk to me about the team dynamic. When you show up, what's going on with the team in order to save this life? First of all, you 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 uh, obviously we've we've got a duty to act. I mean that's that's been established. So we both we both have a, a common goal. Um, Probably the most important thing with that that team mindset is having each other's back. 
Um, the number one rule for, for any medical provider is uh, scene safety or, or, or self-safety. Uh, so that's number one. So we've got each other's back. Uh, uh, we have some goes and, and, and don't go protocol, meaning, you know, there's a time to respond and then there's a time to, you know, in, a, in an ambulance to pull around the corner and wait. Right. Um, the other thing is you're checking, you're checking not only the patient's pulse, but you also have to check your own pulse and yeah. your partner's pulse. Yeah. Uh, and obviously that's not a physical pulse check on the, the paramedics, but it's, it's a mental, you know, are you present? Are you ready? Um, are you going to do more good than harm? Um, cause I mean, it's, they're, we're all humans. So depending on the call, depending on the situation, you may have a, a heightened sense of awareness. That's not healthy where you got anxiety yourself. So, and that, that's kind of the, the gut check, I guess, before you would respond. Yeah. So, so now talk about the patient. You show up to a scene, the patient, where's their focus? A lot of that depends back on that. Is it an acute issue or is it a chronic issue? Um, most of the time, a, a chronic issue, um, especially if there's family around, um, the focus typically is from the patient. The focus is outward are there is their family taken care of is, you know is there especially if it's an end of life issue there are they trying to to die well yeah um, but that person's had time to prepare and that person knows the answers to a lot of questions they have because right. it's a chronic issue and as opposed to an acute issue there you go yeah acute issue there was no time to prepare and there's a there's more questions than answers so the focus is probably going to be on themselves as opposed to outward. Yeah. And so, and, and that is, is, this is what I'm assuming. Okay. Again, is that people are not showing up to work and thinking through, I think today I'll dysfunction from a survival mindset. And I just want to make sure everybody's taken care of around. Me. I'm not, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking the survival mindset that I've identified is probably in, in your words, an acute issue that it's just there and they may not even be aware of it. And to me, that's a scary thing is that all of these things are leading to this survive and they're just surviving. That's it. And that's, and I'm going to tell you someday, I'll probably ask that question again, but I loved it. What do you want from work? And, and, uh, and the ones that said money, and I'll talk about this again in a minute, the ones that said money, why do you want the money? And then we went on from there. It really wasn't the money that they wanted. It was something beyond the money. But when you show up just for the money, what mode are you in? You're in, you're in that survival mindset. And it really, the focus now becomes all about me. I, I don't, I'm not going to draw this out, but there's a illustration I use three men on a job, all doing the same thing. Men, number one, what are you doing? He says, I'm laying bricks. Men, number two, what are you doing? He says, I am building a school. Men, number three, what are you doing? I'm building a school. And when I'm done, kids are going to come and learn, and have a better quality of life. Dustin, I've asked people all over the country, dozens and dozens of times, which one, one, two, or three, which one would you rather work with? Three unanimous, sure. unanimous, number three, unanimous, why? Because there's something bigger than him that he's coming to work for. Because number one, who's it all about? It's all about him, you see, and, and, and so, if, if I'm coming to work just strictly for a paycheck, then what do you become to me? You become a tool or an object. And, um, 
and again, I've had that conversation dozens of times. So first observation is the focus is on me. Second observation is my survivor brain takes over. My survivor brain takes over. Talk a little bit about what's going on with the patient in an acute situation when all of a sudden something happens and now you're called to the scene. You get there and kind of what's happening. An acute situation, you're definitely going to have anxiety. You're going to have high stress. Uh, you're 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 going to be in distress. You know, I picture the respiratory emergency. You've got you know the giant the eyes as big as saucers. They're in a tripod position. There's no ease or comfort about them at all. Um, elevated heart rate, probably elevated respirations, um, probably elevated blood pressure. Um, you can see that in the good probably a good way to put it is that impending doom. Uh, in their eyes, uh, in their expression. So yeah, that's, or at least they think, have you ever been on a call in which you get there and you know, this person's going to be okay. It probably wasn't that big a deal, but yet they are still freaking out over it. Oh, all the time. All, and just, that, that would probably be me. That's, that was the, and I don't know if anybody caught this or not. That was the, uh, on the top 10 list, women having a baby, they make it men have a stomach ache, they're ready to die. It's like, right, everything's done. You know, it's like, okay, dude, hang on. It's not that big deal. But have you noticed this? That when you're in survival mode, everything's a big deal. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and your survivor brain takes over and your brain is created that way to save our lives. So it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But when we just simply are always functioning on that it, after a while it just it completely wears on you and so when when you're in when your survivor brain takes over and you you get what's called an amygdala hijack that means your emotions are just bam that it blocks everything else you're not thinking clearly you're not making right decisions um you know i i i want to have this conversation with you again sometime that chronic issue when a person understands this is what's wrong with me and this may be an end of life thing it sounds to me like they're thinking a little more clearly um, that maybe they've been through this before. There's not that amygdala hijack going on. But when that amygdala hijack goes on, it blocks everything else. And all you're thinking about in that moment is surviving. And so this is the fight, flight, or freeze, right? And that's what happens when you get with this patient in this acute, in this acute situation. It's fight, flight. Have you ever had a patient try to fight you? Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, for all different reasons. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it could be out of confusion. It could be out of, you know, a mental issue. So intoxication. And, so, yeah. And, and all the while, what are they trying to do? Just just survive. And right. they're telling themselves a negative story. And so when we're in a fight situation, there's it, it's very contentious. And when we're in this flight situation, it's people disengage um, and, and they don't quit and leave. The sad part is they quit and stay. And that's what you don't want people to do is to quit and stay and people disengage. And this is one of the things I'm thinking through because there's a chance, or I should ask, I should say it a different way. Is there a chance that our leadership and our organizations perpetuate that disengaged? There's a reason why a high, high, high percentage of employees show up disengaged to the workplace every single day. It can't be just because they're all idiots. It's got to be something more than that. 
think the survival mindset plays into that or you freeze. And when you freeze, you just get stagnant and you get, and you get stuck. But there's another piece of the survivor brain kicking in is that we live in a very reactive state, not necessarily a proactive state. And this is the difference between the important and the urgent. And, um, I don't know if, if how many people are familiar with these terms and kind of what they mean, but I put it up here to kind of show you that urgent state, that urgency, those, the urgent things are deadline driven. They have to be done now. It's just, it's, it's this, it's it, maybe you've heard of the phrase, the tyranny of the urgent. And so everything has to be done right now. And, and it, it overtakes us and, and the, uh, the results of living in an urgent state is fatigue and stress and stuck and these things that go along with that. Everything has to be done. Whereas important things are things that are not deadline driven, but they feed into our long-term mission. The problem is we don't see immediate payoff of those things. And so when we don't see immediate payoff, then we tend to think whether well, or not that important, but they are. And, and so this survival mindset keeps us locked in this urgent, everything is urgent, everything's right now, and we don't pay attention to the important things that, that move beyond us. And again, I just wonder, does our leadership and do does our culture perpetuate that mindset sometimes, or are we taking time to really focus on the important things? So here's number three, distress occurs more frequently. Um, Talk to me a little bit, Dustin. I know you mentioned before, but play on it a little bit. Just the whole distress. When you're on a call, the distress that's there and how that actually plays out. So you've got two, you've got distress, which is your, your initial response. Right. Um, I mean, you, and you, you've all seen, you, either you've had people or yourself that's had distress or you've seen it in a movie. Um, like I said, the impending doom, the big eyes, you know, anxiety sets in you could only do that for so long before the body starts to shut down. And then you go into what's called failure. Um, so, that, I mean, that's, that's the main thing. The, the, the goal of a paramedic obviously is to, to treat whatever reversible cause there is that's causing the emergency. Um, but it's also to calm the distress. So whether that's um, medication, whether that's oxygen, uh, whether that's just a, con uh, you know, that, that we talked about checking your own pulse. So it could just be me checking my own pulse and having a nice, good, you know, quality conversation, teaching somebody to breathe in their nose and out their mouth nice and slow to calm that distress. Um, if that distress is not calmed, like I said, failure uh, ensues. That's when you're no longer, you know, hyperventilating. You're now uh, hypoventilating. So you're breathing slower, which is at that point, not good. Um, you, and you, you, your blood pressure starts to drop. And then what happens is your body actually shunts blood to the important parts. That's why in a, you know, a really awful medical situation, um, you know, cool, cold, you know, extremities, um, but warm center because the body starts shunting the blood where it needs to go. So that's, that's kind of the, the stages there. So, so, this, so with distress comes fear and anxiety, uh, anger, maybe even paranoia a little bit. Um, it seems to me like in that moment, I'm, I'm a lot more heightened, a lot more aware of threat, and maybe I can perceive things as a threat a little bit more. So yeah, your, your body is, your body is, uh, responding and it knows the vulnerabilities. So yeah. it's going to be playing into that 
that how much more vulnerable that body is right there, whether they know it consciously or not. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about this word homeostasis. Ho homeostasis. Um, it, it's, it's a, a big word. You don't hear it very often. It's the body's natural ability to self-regulate. Um, a good example of a homeostasis is, uh, say I'm having an anxiety attack right now. I start breathing really, really heavy. There's nothing technically medically causing me to breathe. It's not an asthma attack. It's not congestive heart failure. I'm just, I get worked up. I could only hyperventilate for so long before I pass out. It's just the way it works. As soon as I pass out and my brain gets out of the equation that's causing the, the uh, you know, hypoxic issue um, from the anxiety attack, homeostasis kicks in. It now will self-regulate um, that body. And there's all different other examples of homeostasis. But yeah, it's just your body's natural ability. So your body's natural ability to, to recalibrate. And to, to, re to keep calibration or to recalibrate when there's an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, paralleling that, you know, <laughs> to the just to people showing up every day in this survival mindset. And that's what's and if distress is there over and over and over and over again, what eventually happens, and, and listen. You can you can Google this. Do not take my word for this. Just Google this and sit back and read findings on what there was actually an article I read a few weeks ago called Bad Bosses Are Killing People. That bad leadership creates this stress, and your body can only take it for so long. But unless you pay attention to those signs, unless you're aware of this, what I call a survival mindset. It wears and it wears and it wears and it wears. And in some way, people kind of quote unquote pass out. Now you hope while they're doing that in this context that they are recalibrating, they don't always do that. So I haven't told you the story, but um, you know, I've passed out a handful of times. And in looking back of when I've passed out, it's because it's because of pain. And um so the last time I passed out was about three years ago, and we we're at my granddaughter's. I think it was her one-year-old birthday party and she had the flu and nobody knew it. And it was not coronavirus. This was pre-coronavirus. So, so she had the flu and nobody knew it. 11 people got sick from that party, 11 people. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I went in the bathroom and I was, and I, I was, I'm not trying to get graphic here, but I was sitting at first. And next thing I know, I woke up on the ground and Deb is like yelling at me. Trying to, and I was like, whoa, I passed out. And what happens though in that time is just what you said. I never knew this until you said that, is that my body is recalibrating. And so then when I set up and I go, okay, I think everything's going to be okay. And it's your body's way of going like, you need to chill out a little bit. Is that accurate? No, I would say that's accurate. Absolutely. Yeah. Another time I got a shot. This is when I was in college and I was driving a truck for, you know, during the summer. And uh, I, I had to get a shot for, I don't know what it was, a cold or something, whatever it was, sinuses or something. It was the only shot I've ever had in my life. The, the, the nurse shot me in the butt. And um, man, here I am, big, tough truck driving guy. Said, ah, no big deal. And I pulled my, you know, pants down where she could give me that shot. I pull them up. I took two steps down the hallway. And dude, whatever it was she shot me with, balled up. And I could hardly walk. I mean, it hurt. I've never had a pain like that there anyway. You talk about a pain in the butt. That <laughs> was a pain in the butt. And it balled up. 
And I walked down the hallway and I, I, I kind of bent over here to talk to the lady at the window. And she said, are you okay? And I went, yep. And I, next thing I know, I woke up, I was on the ground. And so it's always been identified with pain. And I just wonder, you know, as you we were talking about this the other day, it was really weird because I found this word homeostasis and how it relates. And you mentioned it and uh, it just, how many people just need to take time to recalibrate? And that's what I'm hoping that comes out of these budge sessions is that people can just take time to move things just a little bit to kind of recalibrate. So there's not this distress every single day because it absolutely wears on you and the people around you. Is that, is that parallel making sense? Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes, it makes perfect sense to me. I think the, an organization or a, or a, a work environment, I mean, there's so many parallels to the, the human body and our response to yeah. Yeah. outside stimulus yeah. versus the work environment. hundred percent. Unbelievable. All right, here we go. Number four is the last one. Um, I pay, I pay less attention to the higher needs. I pay less attention to the higher needs. Now, here's what I mean by this, um, is that there's a guy named Abraham Maslow, a psychologist in the 1940s. He identified five basic needs that every human being has. Some of you remember this maybe from high school or college behavioral science or psychology class. I actually learned this when I was a sophomore in high school. And it's one of the things in Mr. Hannon's behavioral science class that I really hung on to, not knowing how it would affect me in the future. But Maslow identified five basic needs, and here are those needs. The very first need, the very lowest level need that we have, that all of us have is this physiological need. It's the need for food, water, clothes, shelter, those kinds of things that take care of ourselves physiologically. And, and it's something we don't think consciously about. It just kind of kicks in. And then the, the next need is the safety and security need that we all had this need to feel safe and to feel secure. And that I have taken to an organizational level because I don't know, Maslow was probably talking about physical safety, but in recent years, we've learned about psychological and emotional safety. And I think that plays there on that same level. When you're in a survival mindset, these are the only two needs you're really worried about. When you show up every single day strictly for a paycheck, that's all you're worried about is a physiological, I need to be safe. Physiological, I need to be safe. That's it. Food, water, health, clothes, that's it. You don't pay attention to the other needs. And a lot of us don't even believe that these needs uh, even matter, but they certainly do. So what he said was the third need that all of us have is a social need. That's the need to belong. Um, it's the need for connection. And I saw, uh, it came up a while ago, is what do you want from work? I want belonging. And that's that need. That need right there is what will cause you to watch a two-hour movie about a man talking to a volleyball. Because that connection that Chuck is his name, hardly ever knew that before. People have had to Google that in sessions before. That's that need that Chuck and Wilson, the volleyball, connected on. And when that volleyball started to drift off in the ocean, Chuck's losing his freaking mind, not because he's missing his toy, but because that level of connection and it's something all of us have when you're a survival mindset, you don't really pay much attention to connection or to, to social need. The fourth one is the esteem need. That's the need to be recognized for work and accomplishments. All of us want to know we matter. When you're a survival mindset, you're not worried about letting anybody else around know that, you, that they matter because again, it's all about you. And then the last one is this, what he called self-actualization. It's just becoming more of yourself but I, I call it improvement. It's just improving 
and moving to the next level. How many times in your organizations have you been frustrated because so-and-so won't move to the next level? They won't do anything except status quo. They won't do anything except this just get by attitude. And it drives us insane. Could it be, could it be that they are in that survival mindset? Only paying attention to those lower needs and not the higher needs. So there's a whole lot more that goes along with that thought process in terms of the needs. But for sake of time, we'll move on and hopefully that makes sense. So when I pay attention just to my lower needs, it's 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 not, there's no fulfillment, there's no joy, there's no hope. Um, there's nothing going on beyond just where I am right now. So Dustin, thank you so much. I want to talk about this real quick, moving beyond this survival mindset. Um, there are three questions that I want to want you to kind of take away and, and think about is the first question is that I would ask you or I'd ask anybody that's in the survival mindset. And, and I'm guessing when you show up, you've probably shown up sometimes to some calls, unfortunately, in which you feel like that person doesn't want to get better. And if they don't want to, are they going to? Depends on what's wrong with them. But I mean, if it's, if it's more mental, uh, no, I mean, that, it, yeah, you, you have, you have to want to get better. Any, anybody that's watched a loved one that that's, you know, lost a, a spouse of, you know, 70 years and they've just given up. Um, if they're determined to die, they're going to die. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you've got to want to get better. So it's a, it's, you got to want to, and, and, and I have this whole thing called the want to wall that before you on, on, on this side of the want to wall, it's all uphill and there's nothing good on this side of the, of the wall at all. But once you break through that want to wall, it's downhill. And the very first thing that anybody has to do in order to get better at anything in life. And I believe physically, as you hear this, you know, with some patients, it's a matter of the will and it's a matter of the, just the mindset is you, you, you got to want to. You really have to want to. You got to be aware of it. You got to admit it, and you got to own it. And so this is this is your leadership development as well. Is do you want to move beyond? The second question is, who do you have around you? Who do you have around you? And I loved that you said that when you're there as a paramedic team, you are checking each other's pulse. You said I think you said figuratively. Although if I was with you, you'd be checking mine literally, uh, because it would probably be through the roof. But you probably get used to it. It just becomes your mode of operation, but you got to keep each other up. Am I right? Because it's oh, yeah. easy. I I would think in that case, it's easy to get down. Yeah, it's it's not only. Yeah, it, it's more after the fact. Um, you you got to you know, there's got to be a, some sort of debriefing, especially if it's a, a really bad call. Um, a few times in my life, you know, as my, my wife's an ER nurse, so a few times in my life, I've brought you know really awful situations home with me mentally. You know, I was way overproductive with my with my daughters, you know, after a bad call uh, with some with some awful things. And, you know, so you got to have those people and those, that accountability that that know you and know what what's off or different when something does get you. Yeah, absolutely. So who do you have around you? Do you have people around you that are also in this survival mindset or do you have people around you that are moving beyond? Who do you have around you? Because who you have around you is pretty much who you're going to become. And, and this is why I say constantly with teams and, and leaders, the higher level of connection, the higher level of everything else. And so the more you build a connection 
and you get people around you. But another piece of this is um, just developing, encouraging, and inspiring hope. Inspiring hope. There has to be a plan to get beyond. So I love. I did not know. I did not know yet a six foot calendar. Is it for real? Six foot? Oh yeah, thing's huge. Six foot. I. You've got to send me a picture of that. I got you. Six foot calendar. So you but you got to have a plan because in that survival mindset, chaos exists. You cannot see your way up. You've got to get people around you that can help you with that plan and, and help inspire hope. And, and part of hope, I've been studying hope now for about three years, and it means something way different than what I ever thought it meant. But part of hope is having a plan to get beyond. And if you don't have that plan, it's really not hope, it's a wish. And I'm not so sure a wish is going to get you out of it. So it's got to be this, 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 this hope, this hope. And the third question is, what is your win? What is your win? And if you show up to work every day, and I'm telling you this even in your leadership, if you show up and you don't know what your win is as a leader, as an organization, as a team, or even just as an individual, then you have the high, high, high chance of slipping in and existing in this survival mindset. Um, we got to understand what the win is. You got to determine what your win is. You got to get a plan to get there. And then you got to celebrate the small steps. Celebrate the small steps because you're not going to get there just like this. Celebrate the small steps. And so you got to know what that win is. And, 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 and Dustin, this is one of the things that in asking people, um, what do you want from work? These things that people said that you saw in the chat box here and the things that I have on my, in my information, that's their win. And um, we live in a very scoreboard driven society. Next month on Budge, we're going to be talking about the win. And this is where we're going to pick up next month. And, and, uh, and, and we're going to tag on to this and talk about what that win looks like. And uh, another friend of mine named Sonia Jones is going to be on the call with me. Uh, Sonia was on season 16 of The Biggest Loser. She lost 144 pounds and she was the finalist. She was the runner up by less than a pound, less than a pound. And she did not win $250,000 by less than a pound. So you're going to hear her story on what the ultimate win looks like, but we got to have that win. And so this is why I chose the word dilemma for survival, because it is a dilemma. The dilemma is this, of course we have to survive. First and foremost, we gotta survive, I get it. But beyond that, there is so much more that we are created to do, so much more that we can enjoy in life. And uh, all these things that we talked about earlier, you know, the joy and, and the full and the growth and the hope and the thriving and all that kind of stuff. So the dilemma is, you're probably thinking, hey, speaker boy, first of all, we have to survive. Dustin's talking about these patients. Of course, they have to survive. Well, yes, they do have to survive. But once they survive, now what? Now what? And last night, we were flipping through the channels. And for some reason, we saw an old video clip of a high school here in town that was doing their graduation. And this particular, this year, I mean, in 2020, so it was all on, they couldn't do it live, so it was all on screen. Um, and they, a lot of them were standing beside a sign, it was a yard sign that said, strive, survive, and thrive. And I thought, okay, 
And that's when I, I literally last night added the word thrive to these notes because I was trying to stay away from that. And I thought, okay, I'll do it. Listen, we don't want to just strive. We don't want to just survive. Although we want to survive, we don't want to just survive. We want to go to the next level. And so that's what I want to help people do. And that's what I hope you're getting out of this is identifying in yourself the potential or the possibility that you could be in a survival mindset or that people in your organization could be in the survival mode. And now how do we move beyond that? So do you want to, who do you have around you to help you create that plan and inspire that hope? And then what is your ultimate win? And when you understand what the win is, then you're going to start inching out of that survival mode. Dustin, you got anything else you can add to this? Uh, one, one of the last thing that you and I talked about, I think that's, that's applicable is, you know, celebrating the wins important, but sometimes we tend to look, you know, we're climbing a mountain. We tend to look at the top of the mountain and we can't see it. Yeah. You know, so what I try to, the way I try to live my life is celebrate during the climb. Um, you know, sh short, small, you know, hikes and then celebrate that win. When I get into a mindset where I'm just looking for the peak and it's not obtainable, right. um, that's when I get down. Right. So. Man, that's good. That is good. Celebrate the win. Celebrate the small wins. All right, Dustin, thank you so, so much. Next week, we're going to do this again. For those of you, if you want to log on again, feel free. Uh, it's going to be the same basic content, but as dialogue goes, some of it could change um, and new stories and that kind of thing. So feel free. Tell anybody you want to tell about budge and they can log in and um we'll make it happen man we'll make it happen so if you have any questions beyond i'm going to stick around for another three or four minutes if you have any questions you want to ask beyond everybody signing off stick around i'll be on here for about three or four minutes so love you guys thank you and i will see you soon <laughs>